Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to The Broad Experience, a show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. This time on the show, I'm veering away from the subtle things that affect the way women behave at work. Instead, I'm zooming out to look at the big picture on where educated women stand in the workplace around the world and at how much their lives have changed in the last several decades. My guest is Alison Wolfe. She's a professor of public sector management at King's College London and an author. I should say here that I first met Alison as an interview subject of hers three years ago, and I'm briefly quoted in her book, which just came out in the US. It's called The Double X Factor, How the Rise of Working Women Has Created a Far Less Equal World. Yes, I want to ask you about that subtitle to the American version of the book. It's because it's quite provocative. Why? Um, Well, tell me about that. What does that mean? It means that as so often, every silver lining has a cloud. One of the things that's happened in our world is that there are, as I think we're all very aware, opportunities for women that our grandmothers couldn't even have dreamt about. But one of the things that has made this possible is the growing inequality in society, the fact that there are large numbers of women who are doing very, very poorly paid jobs, which make the lives of better paid women possible. And of course, Right through history, women working for nothing made men's lives possible. So in some ways, it's, it's, it's great. But the reality is that if we didn't have a world in which there are lots of people, and they are overwhelmingly women doing these things, who are doing the sorts of things that women all used to do for nothing in the home, those of us who do have careers, do go out of the home, do have the sort of lives that men had and we once didn't. We do that to a considerable extent because of other people who aren't paid much. Home health aides are one example of the kind of professionals Alison's talking about. The number of home health aid jobs in the US is expected to grow 50% this decade. Most aides are female and many are paid close to minimum wage. At the other end of the scale are the highly educated women whose lives are the focus of the book. They're in the top 15% when it comes to pay, and Alison says their behaviour is quite distinct from that of other women, beginning with the teenage years. They start having sex at later ages than everyone else. She's got the tables to prove it. They marry later to men with similar qualifications, have babies later, if at all, and they tend to stay married. But although the number of these women has been increasing steadily in the West, things are changing much faster for women in developing countries. More than half the world's self-made female billionaires are in China. And it's just it's just extraordinary. And also in India, I mean, there are these big companies where the, the, the creator or the CEO is, is completely standard, you know, Indian-educated, Indian-born, powerful and remarkable woman. OK, I tell her. That's great. But often when we hear about Indian women, it's because some woman or young girl in India has been gang raped. And yes, I know the media loves bad news. 
There have been a few stories like this that have gained international attention in the past nine months or so. You probably remember the horrendous case from last December where a young woman was raped on a bus. She was so badly injured during her ordeal she later died. Alison says yes, that case was horrific, and India has plenty of young men whose identities are threatened by women's changing status in society, but that doesn't mean women aren't genuinely advancing, even those with hardly any means. That family, in a way, encapsulates the modern developing world. The the poor girl was a physiotherapy student, but what's interesting about her was that she came from a very poor family and her parents had actually sold the land they had in the village and moved to the city so that their children, both their children, their son and their daughter, should have real educational opportunities. So in a sense, she was, as well as being utterly tragic, she was a sign of the rapid change and how much faster it's come. Because if you'd taken a family like that in... 1910 America or 1930 France or something, they would not have been giving equal support to their daughter and their son. She's using that comparison because today countries like India and China are in a similar place economically to where various Western countries were in the 19th or early 20th centuries. Yet back then, attitudes to women were traditional. Women in those countries had few employment options. Today, despite their relative poverty, many developing countries are open-minded about women's potential. And that brings us to a country most of us consider an example – you have this information about Sweden, which the, the rest of the world thinks of as this beacon of equality, certainly be to, between men and women, and something that we all tend to look to as Sweden and the way things are in Scandinavia as being the way things should be everywhere. You have some really interesting data on Sweden. I do, and I, I thought they were absolutely fascinating. It was one of the things that really got me into this subject. The thing that nobody really believes until I tell them is that Sweden and the other Scandinavian countries have the most segregated labour markets in the world in terms of men and women working separately. So if you work, walk into most Swedish workplaces or Finnish or Danish or Norwegian, you won't find that they're full of equal numbers of men and women. You're actually more likely than anywhere else to find that they're full of just women or just men. Now, I do have to add something to this and it's why we none of we people like me and people I have to say like you actually why we tend not to notice it if you walk into the Swedish parliament or the Danish parliament of course you see lots of women and so you see this quite rightly as a world in which in some areas it's very equal much more so than most but what the Scandinavians did very early on very early on was they basically outsourced domestic life they provided daycare centres, care for the elderly, all the sorts of things that mothers used to do in the home. And they turned them into paid labour. And they also, incidentally, created a system in which, because taxes are very high, you kind of have to work full time, otherwise you just can't manage anything. So what actually happened was that vast numbers of women who used to do female-type things at home, went out and did female-type things in the labour market. But they did them with other women. And so you've got this enormous female workforce, which is staffing the welfare state. And alongside that, you've got a professional life in Sweden, which is not actually any more... It's not any more integrated than anywhere else, actually. I mean, there are probably more female politicians in Sweden, but there are fewer female bankers.
This episode of the show is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website. I use Squarespace to build a broad experience site, so I do know what I'm talking about. Squarespace is always improving their platform with new features, new designs, and even better support. They have beautiful designs for you to start off with and all the style options you need to create a unique website for you or your business. Every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look great on every device, every time. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you want some help, Squarespace has a great support team that works 24-7. It starts at just $8 a month and includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. You can start a trial at squarespace.com with no credit card required and begin building your website. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code BROAD10 to get 10% off and to show your support for the broad experience. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. As well as peering at a lot of interesting charts and graphs, one of the things I really enjoyed about the double X factor was that it makes you realize just how many options you have today when it comes to supporting yourself compared to women in the past. You also remind readers what an enormous part sex played in women's livelihoods. And I mean that as in prostitution, but not just prostitution. Absolutely. If you look at what women had to offer and what women used as a source of power and influence in making their way in the world. In the world before the pill, sex was what they offered. Sex from somebody who wasn't going to be diseased, who wasn't going to demand money from you, and who was going to give you something which if you were a if if you were a heterosexual man and you wanted good regular sex you married a woman and if you were a woman and you were trying to make your way in the world what you did was you kept yourself till you got those marriage vows because that was actually your source of power that was what you had to trade that was what you gave and it was absolutely fundamental to the whole structure of society and when you sort of go back and you read novels I think we all Many of us love 19th century novels, but it's actually quite interesting when you reread them with with much more of an awareness of that, which actually the readers of the time would have had in a way that we don't have. And one of the things that always amuses me a little bit is the way we're busy trying to rewrite history and imply that everybody pre-pill was actually having sex right, left and centre. No, they weren't. They First of all, it was too dangerous because if you were left with a baby, there was nothing. But secondly, why would they have been so stupid? Why, why give away the thing with which you're actually going to secure yourself a decent life? Yes, there were out-of-wedlock births, but don't believe every storyline you see on Downton Abbey. Back to the present. During the course of her research, Alison spent a lot of time looking at time-use diaries. She'll explain more about that in a minute. And she found that despite some of the headlines we've seen... Women don't all work harder than men, and the fact that they're absolutely convinced that they do doesn't mean they're right. So what we know is we actually know how many working hours people put in on average. And we know this because there are these amazing studies all around the world where people are actually asked to keep a detailed diary, not to tell people afterwards how hard they worked. If you ask people to tell you afterwards how hard they worked, they worked so hard, there were more than 24 hours in their day. <laughs> when you keep diaries, what you discover is that it's extraordinarily equal. Now, it doesn't mean they all do equal amounts of housework. 
but they do equal amounts of work paid and unpaid and unpaid work is is described as the thing where in your dreams you'd pay somebody to do it for you which I think for most of us definitely covers housework and it's actually quite extraordinary all around the world with a couple of exceptions France and Italy um, the diaries show that in terms of total amount of work men and women do the same amount now the reason that women go around feeling virtuous all the time, I think is because they do still do more housework. Though men do a lot more than their fathers did and a great deal more than their grandfathers did. But when you add up the grinding hours, the hours where you're doing things which you're either being paid for or which you'd love to pay somebody else to do, it's just equal. Was there a discovery that you made while you were doing the research for this book that was extremely surprising to you? The thing that really surprised me was how unimportant to female liberation it was to have a dishwasher and how amazingly important to female liberation it was to have pizza deliveries. And again, I have to say thank you to all these wonderful social scientists who beavered away with their time-use diaries because that's how we know that there's this... And, and, and American data is the best of all because we had women keeping diaries and men keeping diaries back in the 1920s describing what they were doing and then through the 40s, 50s, 60s. She says when you look at time-use diaries of American women from the 1920s through the 60s, despite all the modern conveniences that arrived during those decades, the amount of time women spent on housework did not budge. When did it finally drop and women begin to record more paid working time? Only when the world of food preparation began to be outsourced. What was important was that as long as you had to feed the family, as long as you had a cottage industry food production system where everybody cooked meals. It was actually very, very difficult for most women to work outside the home. But with the advent of frozen meals, pizza deliveries and microwaves, women's lives really began to change. For decades, up until the mid-60s, American women recorded in their time-use diaries they spent about two hours a day on food preparation and cooking, sometimes more, and another hour or so on setting the table and cleaning up. Today, women at home with children spend an hour a day on food prep and cleaning up. For employed women, it's about half an hour. Pizza, Alison says set women free, prepared, of course, by low-paid food service workers. So given that the subtitle talks about the rise of working women creating a far less equal world, is that a bad thing? Can you say that? I don't think I can or will say that because I think that it's a far less equal world in the sense that at the top we've got couples men, women who are actually able to use their talents in a way that half of them, the female half, never were. And if the price of greater equality is putting all the women back in the kitchen again, I'm not sure that I really want to pay it if I'm being really truthful, because those are sort of the alternatives. Now, we obviously we can be a bit more equal. We can tax the, the rich more. We can make sure that nobody is destitute and unable to get 
any form of, of health care. I mean, going back to Scandinavian societies, they may not have created a truly gender equal world, but it's also true that they have created societies in which you're not terrified of losing your job or terrified of, of having a, a life-threatening illness. And that, so in those respects, I think we can do things. But, but am I actually going to sit here and say that I think we should have a world in which I can no longer afford to have the sort of services that let me have a career? Maybe I should be, but personally... I'm not volunteering to go back to the kitchen. I'm not volunteering to live as my great-grandmother did. Alison Wolfe, author of The Double X Factor, How the Rise of Working Women Has Created a Far Less Equal World. You can comment on this episode at thebroadexperience.com or on the show's Facebook page. And if you know someone who'd enjoy The Broad Experience, please tell them about it or share it on social media. That's The Broad Experience for this time. We're supported by the Mule Radio Syndicate, which has just added a bunch of new shows to its lineup, including This Is Actually Happening and The Big Web Show. You can find them all at muleradio.net. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.